Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I am your host, Brian Weinstein, and keeping me company and keeping me in line, as she does every other week and probably every day, is Caitlin Postal. Hey, Brian, how are you? What's happening? I don't know if you, I should really be relying on you to keep me in line. I know. I was kind of thrown off by that, but okay. <laughs> I guess today it's my turn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. And we have a, a special guest, uh, really the brain child or the brain trust, I should say, of Whiplash, uh, our VP of engineering, Andrew Bagwell. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How are you? Welcome. Doing welcome. Well. Doing well. So, so Andrew, uh, you know, runs our in industrial engineering group um, along with uh, Sarah Gisetic, our chief uh engineer and process officer. And uh, Andrew, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on, on you and your and your roles and responsibility? Sure. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. So I've been here with, with Whiplash for just over a decade now, really living the, the true 3PL life. Um, and so that's um, supporting our operational team um, from a number of different perspectives. So layout, facility design, productivity, reporting, and all those types of items. And so from that perspective, we also take the lead in implementations and bringing in new customers and making sure that we've got plans in place for um, them coming on board and their most important time of the year, which is peak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you are living and breathing in the weeds, so to speak. Um, you know, where, where Caitlin and I are sticking to the high level stuff. You, 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 uh, you get in the weeds under the hood, if you will, uh, and dig in. So, you know, I have to say, and I, and I, and I've, I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to repeat it. If you own your own facility, if you're with a 3PL and you are not already engaged in conversations about what your forecasts look like for peak, you are already behind the eight ball, right? So here it is. We're, we're, we're in August. You should be having those conversations if you have not already. And, and so Andrew, maybe you could talk a little bit about what your process is in engaging with the customers to understand where, you know, where they are, what they're, what they're forecasting. Yeah, absolutely. Brian. And, and you're, you're perfectly right there. Uh, this is the time and to, to make sure that we're, we're starting this process and, and getting ahead of it as much as we can. And so the first and most important thing is, is what are our customers trying to do here? Right. And so that's two parts. One is what's, what's the forecast and kind of what the order of magnitude is going to be. We know that things are going to change over the next couple of months, but we, we need to get a sense so that we can start planning for what kind of scale we need to get to um, during this, this very important time. And so yeah. that's yeah. a, that's how many orders, how many units and, and what the thought process is there. Yeah. And I, and I would say it's, it's pretty safe to say that we, everybody recognizes that the only thing that we know for sure about a forecast four months out is that it's most likely wrong. Right. Exactly. Like our weather exactly. forecast. Just, <laughs> like our, just, just, well, just guess. That's like a day out, but yes, <laughs> so ho hopefully within a day we're, we're, we're pretty accurate, but I, uh, you know, I, I know it's going to change, but at some point you have to at least put pencil to paper, right. To, to commit 
not to commit, but to at least give directional guidance on what those forecasts are going to be so we can get into the planning stages. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, at this point, you know, things have changed. Peak used to just be, especially in the e-commerce side of the world, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But as we know now, strategies have changed, right? So, you know, some folks are still drilling in on, on those key days and trying to drive there, but some folks are spreading it out and looking to hit earlier in the month. So I'm thinking of it as a cyber seven rather than a, a four-day period. And if we can start to understand how those things um, are aligning from our customer strategy, and you know, is this just a straight discount across the board? Is this a gift with purchase type scenario? Or are there certain, you know, product types that, that are going to be trying to, to, to drive through? Um, we, we can start to begin to formulate plans, not just from a pure number standpoint, but from a facility design and strategy standpoint. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually, that, that, that that's, a little off topic what I was thinking about because it really hadn't crossed my mind, but you do have to take into consideration. So you, we obviously, I know your team is focused on labor standards, right? And, and units per hour that you're going to be able to pick and pack. If your idea is to add a gift with purchase or something special into the equation, as we're coming up towards peak, that's something that you're, you're, the teams, both the client side um, or at least their, their design side and the operations team really have to collaborate on. Is that right? Exactly. And, and, you know, that's somewhere where, where we can look to, to make it a true win-win situation. Right. And so if it's a single same gift with every purchase, right, that's something we can be placing right above our pack stations. Right. And, you know, making sure that we've got the appropriate lead time to be able to make sure we've got whatever physical thing we need to keep that product right there, um, or kind of carve out an appropriate area nearby so that it's a nice, easy pick. And so we can, we can go ahead and, and fulfill those without, you know, putting tremendous stress on the operation. Right. And so when you're looking at that, okay, and let's just say for argument's sake, a customer does not have anything special they're going to add. You know, what, what does your team do with those forecasts to understand, you know, volumes, what it's going to take to, to get that down in a, in a period of time and work through that backlog? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does end up being a fairly straightforward math problem, which is if we, if we understand the forecasts that we have, what the plan is, um, and we know what, what our current capabilities are, it's, it's fairly straightforward and, and kind of a rigid process that we like to use to really just put that into a model, right? And so we're looking at daily activity through the, whatever peak period that we're talking about, where here are the orders that we're expecting to drop. And then based on our current set of capacity, which is which is driven by our number of pack stations, our number of pick carts, our number of robots in the facility, what are we going to be able to accomplish, whether that's on an eight-hour shift, a 10-hour shift, two shifts, and, and through the weekends, so that we can lay out very plainly, if if nothing changed at all, this is this is how we would perform through peak. This one would is when we would be caught up shipping same day orders and just look at that, right. And, and whether that's something that's an acceptable situation or more likely because it's peak, we're going to have to make some modifications here. We're going to have to tweak some of those variables to, to provide the kind of experience that our customer's customer is ultimately looking for here. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, so to go in the other direction of just, when I think of peak, I just think of massive amounts of volume, right? But you brought up a good point about maybe straying away from the norm. So maybe there is a gift of purchase. Maybe there is something that you're not, they're going to introduce. The client's going to introduce that's not part of the norm, part of that historical data that you can dive into and make your assessment from there. What do you do in that case to be able to properly plan? And how much notice do you need around that? 
Well, as much as we possibly can, and it, and it depends on the scale. Um, but but what we do is is try to incorporate that into the model, right? And mm -hmm. so you know, a classic example might be that that somebody's got a, a traditional order profile of of three units per order. And so you know, we often talk in terms, or our customers often talk in terms of orders because that's sale. And so a thousand a thousand orders might be three thousand pieces that we need to go pick. Well, if it's gift with purchase, and it's it's something that's not just thrown in into the poly mailer, it's not something that's thrown into the box, but something that has to go be picked. All of a sudden, those thousand goes from 3000 units to 4000 units, which is a pretty appreciable difference. Okay. Um, but if we're able to get ahead of that, so one, we, we plan with that. But if we know that that's something we can set up nicely, we might be able to increase our productivity rates associated with picking there, right. And so that's yep. something that we like to just talk through, make sure we understand, okay, is this 50 different SKUs that are being picked from? Um, so, you know, normally, we're picking X units per hour, well, maybe that's a 10% productivity increase um, based on that or some other percentage so that we can we can build that into the model and understand exactly how these things are being impacted. So regardless yeah. of scope, just that communication factor. That's beyond the key, right? And so what we like to do is just lay this in front of everybody, right? This is a very collaborative discussion. We're not hiding these models. They're designed to be how we communicate. And you know, once we actually get into the peak period, it's something we measure against. And so we're looking at daily performance because we know those numbers are going to come in slightly different. Well, did we get what we said we were going to do done, which we should should be because that's how we plan to it. And then if forecasts are coming in over what was anticipated, what does that look like now? And what other levers can we pull and what other variables can we tweak to uh, increase capacity? And, and, you know, my, my favorite part of what you said is it's all simple math. You know, it's not emotional math. You know, it's not guesswork <laughs> math. It's very simple. You model it out. Right. And from that, you know, and you're and, and, and you have that ability to work through with the customer and say, this is what it looks like. If you get 10,000 orders on cyber uh, on Black Friday. OK, and here's what we have. We have X amount of pack stations. We, we're running an eight hour shift. We can add a shift. We can do all these things. And what does that look like when you get through Saturday, Sunday, and then get another 15,000 orders on Cyber Monday? And what does that look like for a backlog? So, so when do those types of conversations, when are you, when are you really kind of getting in and putting those out in front of the customer for them to see? Like what time of the year is that typically? So hopefully at this point, we've received uh, at least the initial forecast from our customers. And then over the next few weeks, so through the month of August is really when those conversations are happening and being solidified, because that's kind of the sweet spot for timing. Because some of these things, if we do want to do want to pull the trigger and, and make some adjustments, some of these things do have lead times, right? Whether that's uh, hardware, which is increasingly a, a tricky topic in the year 2021, um, <laughs> or racking, which is another tricky topic in 2021, um, or space. Um, those are things also that also another trippy, uh, tricky topic in 2021. Yes. Yeah. I know near and dear to your heart. Um, yes. Uh, this is the time to be doing it, right? September, October, we're getting extremely close and, and kind of the entire industry is, is pinching. And so if we can, if we can be getting at least, uh, close to where we need to and understand, you know, we, we need to add eight pack stations and maybe that, that gets cut down to, to six or increases to 10 a, a little later on, we're at least able to, to get the, get started get those layouts being, being tweaked and set up appropriately so we can get all all parts moving as they need to. Right, right. And that also, so you've, to your point, I mean, you know, right now in 2021, hard, IT hardware, 
uh, equipment and uh, material handling equipment is a little bit trickier to get your hands on. So, but there are other approaches, right? So you you could theoretically take a single shift five day a week operation and add a split shift or a second shift, right? To kind of offset that. Yeah, absolutely. And those are usually the, some of the first, um, levers that we're looking to pull, um, in this is, is how do we avoid, how do we, how do we increase capacity without, without going into a capital expenditure, which, which, you know, doesn't, uh, is kind of the last resort, um, um, through this process. And so, yeah, we're, we're obviously looking at other shifts, extended shifts and those types of things, um, to be able to increase capacity as much as possible. Right. Right. And, and so I know from, from, from a commercial perspective, what Caitlin and I find, um, is really been a, a kind of a, 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 a real help for us as an organization, because we hear it from the customers is helping them set expectation for their, for, for their customers, for their clients, right? The ones that are buying this stuff and waiting for it, they've just made a purchase for holidays and they're expecting it and, and, and allowing them to set expectations. I know we had a couple of situations with our brands last year where their projections, which were already quite sizable for, let's say a, a black Friday came in at, you know, 50 to a hundred percent above their projections. So walk through the process of the adjustments that your team needs to make and work on with the operators so we can get out, you know, what needs to happen with the customers so they can communicate those SLA changes to their end consumer. Yeah. So I think, I think the first thing is, is as we've talked even further upstream too, which is to do a bit of sensitivity analysis on some of these models, right? Um, which is to say, here's what we forecasted and built this for. What happens if it's 20% higher? What happens if it's 50% or a hundred percent or 150, which can get a pretty messy situation, right. one that everyone <laughs> likes and then doesn't like immediately, but something that we, we can work through. So then uh, as soon as we start seeing that first day come through and, and it be significantly higher than the rest, at, at that point, we we revisit our model and say, what, what other levers can we pull? Right. Um, and so are we already on two shifts? Are we already running as, as long a shift as we can? Um, uh, and those types of things to make sure that we're, we're hitting as much of the, of the available capacity as possible, but then we're able to, to then look around, right. Um, you know, we have the benefit of, of being in, in large facilities ourselves that have, um, other, other parts of capacity. Right. And so, you know, do, do we have someone else who, who maybe isn't quite hitting the numbers that they thought they were going to be? What other resources can we leverage? Are there more mobile type, um, pack stations that can be set up? Can we be packing off of iPads to available printers and, and things like that, that we kind of have in the wings available to kind of juice up capacity where we need to across our network. Is automation ever brought on as a seasonal solution? So automation is a very interesting topic when it comes to peak um, because it, it, it can help, right? And so we we do, for instance, have operations where we use uh, robotics. And, right. and and that's that's kind of one of the reasons we went with that type of solution is because we feel like we can scale it and, and grow it towards peak. Um, and so, you know, I think those in the industry have, have kind of looked at and, and kind of seen traditionally as, as some of the classic pieces of automation, your, your tilt trace orders, your unit sorters, uh, carton sorters, as great for the everyday operations, but can pose a challenge during peak where you are truly running into um, capacity limitations there. And so that's why, especially in kind of this high growth e-commerce world, we've, we've, we've tried to look at automated solutions that are able to scale. And so 
you know, going from X robots to X plus 30 robots um, during that time frame to be able to kind of increase that capacity um, and, and then be able to, to, to send them on back home um, yeah, after right. that peak, peak period's over um, and kind of eliminate that expense. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas with the labor, temp labor, maybe thank you for the season and on your way, you could scale up, scale back with the robots. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah but that, that's also an interesting point too, Andrew, I think with the, um, certain types of automation, you know, like you, like you mentioned, a tilt tray sorter has limitations and, and is, is not going to be able to scale. Whereas other pieces of automation can, or maybe you can add, I mean, tilt is a, a huge investment in and of itself. Right. So if you, but if you go a different direction where you can add, uh, you know, multiple um, induction points into different types of operations or different types of automation. I mean, that that probably makes more sense. Otherwise, you're going to stunt your capacity. Sure. And I'm, I'm absolutely not saying that that you ignore unit sortation just for the sake of peak, because there's there's all sorts of different models and opportunities for being able to set that up and then set up some sort of supplemental um, process to be able to, to get through peak. If if you think that automation is going to help for for 10 months out of the year to such a level and be able to support that business, then then a strategy should be built to, on how do, how do we supplement that for this this peak period. But, you know, as we look at some of these guys that are that are, are truly growing at, at really high rates um you know the design criteria what year of 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 throughput capacity are you shooting for can get a little bit tricky because because in a high growth world um, you always need to be able to move um, to higher levels of throughput without impacting the current operation right and and so in terms of just the the overall collaboration so when you're building these models and you're making those decisions are we adding, is there a capital investment in additional pack stations or, or other, other types of automation? Um, are you going to split shifts, two shifts? So you're going to go, I think at one point last year, we ran, we were running two twelves, right? So we were basically, we were a 24 hour operation for a period of, I don't know, 10 days. Yes. Which is, which is of course the very last lever that we like to pull, right? We right. end up but with, with true d diminishing returns in all senses of the word um, when we do that. But so that's, that is kind of the plus one fifty percent type scenario yep. um, that you were referring to earlier. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and assuming for a second that there wasn't any issues with, with labor, which we, we know there is. Um, but even if we're able to staff at hundred percent on two twelves, it's, uh, it's obviously not ideal to your point, diminishing returns. You've got, fatigue that sets in, you've got, um, I'm sure by the time you get to the eighth, ninth, you know, then 12th hours, your, your UPH starts to get skewed, uh, pretty drastically. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something that we try to plan for at all. Um, and if we were to try to plan for requiring 24 hours of capacity, that is a, a time that you'd like to look at a third shift, right. To yep. be able to do that. It's not something, you know, if it's not something you're running traditionally, um, it, it can be a little trickier to, to set up and then take down post peak, but you know, that, that, that would probably be the, the more reasonable solution rather than pushing everyone twelves. Right. Are you seeing, and I'm not sure how much you've gotten in, in terms of the forecast yet. Are, are, are you seeing a, a pull forward like that's, that's heavier than it was traditionally? I mean, is that, is that volume and those sales have you seen on, on, on those weekly forecasts that it's, that is starting earlier and earlier in November? Yeah, we have certainly seen, um, 
you know, starting probably last year and then and then continuing on this year. Um, definitely a pull forward. Um, you know, I think a large number of folks are referring it to it as the Cyber Seven now. Um, but then looking to also hit dates earlier in in the month of November to you know kind of grab more eyes. And so you know, with that and an understanding of those types of schedules, uh, it allows us to look kind of within our full facility um, and, and look at our labor and, and look at our resources in a slightly different standpoint. That being said, uh, those four days around um, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, even though things are being pulled forward, are increasing year over year in a significant right. capacity. Yeah. And not going away. Yes. And not going away. It's become it's become the, the holiday tradition now. Indeed. Yes, exactly. Which is interesting because, right, you don't really have to wait till the last minute anymore. I mean, you can order stuff now and, and have it for the holidays, and but we, we don't actually do that. <laughs> no, not so much. So just, uh, you know, as, as we leave everybody, you know, what would be your kind of top focus points that you would stress to people that are listening to, to really kind of focus on uh, as they're going through this forecasting process? So I think I think the most important thing is is to start early and to start with a with a broader strategy discussion, right? It's 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 great to get the numbers and the expectation as quickly as possible, but it's it's almost as important, not quite, but almost to to understand what the approach is and what the thought process is behind there. Because although the 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 hard numbers that drive pack station numbers, pick carts, robot counts, and things like that that do need to be resolved are extremely important, knowing what the strategy is with products and what's going to be on sale is is equally as important because understanding how it's going to impact our process do we need to do we need to have a different type of active pick location for this time period to make sure that when we do replenishment from reserve to active we we don't run into a significant bottleneck do we need to be setting up some additional locations closer to those pack stations those types of things uh, are probably equally as important in in setting up the facility for success and making sure that that kind of peak season relationship continues to be a success awesome Andrew Bagwell, Rockstar, VP of Engineering for Whiplash. Appreciate you coming on. Great. Thanks a lot for having me. Always exciting to talk about Peak. Yeah, Peak <laughs> is uh, has become the, the the thing we talk about year round, even though it's only four days long. Right. <laughs> not not anymore. Seven days or longer. Seven days or longer, exactly. All right. Appreciate it. Andrew Bagwell, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Caitlin, as always, will walk us out of here. Appreciate everybody tuning in uh, and we will uh, speak to you again in two weeks. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Check us out at sippinandshipping.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We'll see you every other Thursday here, sippinandshipping.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Enjoy. Take care.